Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. This is episode 17, I think. My name is Jamie, your host, with... Peter, your co-host. And uh, we are here to talk about a lot today. Uh, this is kind of... It's not that, that this episode is unexpected. It's not unexpected. We're always going to be talking about news, but some pretty big news broke today. Um, I was out and about, and I was checking my phone, and I saw that uh, the Prometheus sequel had a title. Uh, and it is called Alien Paradise Lost, which is fascinating title, and it's really epic. What were your first impressions, Peter? <clears throat> uh, I know that there was a lot of speculation towards um, it being titled Paradise Lost. There were a lot of people that, um, there were a lot of rumors that went around, and a lot of people thought, well, you know, I'm, it's probably going to be called Paradise Lost, and of course in the Wayland yutani Bulletin board. There's always people sharing uh, Prometheus fan art, and it's always something to do with Paradise or Paradise Lost. But uh, it's an interesting choice um, of title, and I'm more so interested now than I was before, especially yes. since it's called uh, Alien Paradise Lost as opposed to Prometheus. Which is what well, it, it's interesting that they did that, that that they decided because I I personally think that Fox has everything to do with that title that this is Fox has no longer has Star Wars I think you mentioned that in a podcast before um, so this is their answer this is their sci-fi world that the, they're they're building these are their anthology films um, Prometheus is kind of an anthology spinoff um, tr- trilogy of films or saga. And uh, to tie it directly to Alien, um, it almost, excuse the pun, alienates Prometheus. Because Prometheus is like this one-off title, and then you have this other title. It just, it's very strange. Uh, but again, like you said, it made me really excited. Like, hey, they are acknowledging what these films are. Yeah, um, it's interesting because I think it'll give us a little window into more of how it ties in with Alien. And uh, I'm <laughs> I'm sure that I'm one of like five people uh, that actually enjoyed Prometheus, but uh, it's 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 definitely flawed. It's not perfect, but it's a self-contained story. And if it was just by itself, totally unrelated from the Alien films, then I could buy it. But yeah. I think one of the biggest ways in which Prometheus failed as an artistic extension of the Alien series is that it had very little to do with the series as in as it was promised and uh, hyped up to be. But uh, this certainly gets me way more interested, and I think it'll be... Um, I, th- I think it'll be very good. It'll more than make up for the bad taste that uh, Prometheus left. Yeah, and I mean, I, again, we've had ongoing discussions and comments about Prometheus since we started our podcast months ago. Um... And I, I love the film, but I have major issues with the film. And I think that's a lot. A lot of people, although like in the Wayland Yutani uh, Bulletin group that we're all a part of, or that many of us are a part of, which I, you know, persuade people to join if they want to. Um, I know Willie, uh, William. Was that his name? Robbie William. William, William Robbie. I always get those confused. Sorry, buddy, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> uh, he has no love for it. For sure. Um, and there are people who have no love. I do have love. Um, I think in many ways it's a masterpiece of a film inside uh, a very flawed film. However, uh, moving to Alien Paradise Lost, it's a very epic title. And, you know, if I, you think about what's going to happen. Um, the obvious things, which we, we can guess based off the end of Prometheus, Shaw and David are going to set down in this some strange ship. Um, some derelict class ship on some strange world that they've never been. And it's going to be fucking terrifying. And if Ridley Scott does it right, if he builds this world the way he built Prometheus, we're in for a treat because I think that there's going to be things that we will have never seen before in terms of creatures, in terms of um, 
uh, just the lore of the engineers. And I really hope that they back away. Like with Prometheus, you kind of see, you saw a little bit of the engineers. You saw those, those video, like those video logs of the engineers, but you didn't, there's mystery about them. And I don't want, I hopefully he can, he can engage that culture um, the same way um, where all of a sudden she doesn't set down on this planet. And there's all these clothed um, engineers walking around, you know, I want it to be desolate and there's pockets of these, these beings or whatever. Maybe their civilization is over. Who knows? But uh, there's a lot of potential. Oh, definitely. Um, One of, one of my biggest uh, requests is that they tie in uh, the engineers with the space jockey because they are clearly two different entities entirely. Yeah. Um, and yeah. there is also the announcement that there's going to be three more Prometheus films, whether or not that includes uh, Alien Paradise Lost or three separate entities has not been clarified yet. Um but I really hope it's just not like a cash grab like Saw, where there's like 20 of them, and it's like, okay, how are you furthering the story? Yeah. You're just you're just adding on to nothing, basically. Yeah, uh, I mean, and with Prometheus, they made 426 million dollars worldwide, with including domestic gross. That's a pretty good haul of, of money. Um, so. Fox knows, and, and you know the creators know that there's an interest there. Obviously, Fox knows there's an, enough of an interest there that they're making a, a, an alien film with Blumkamp. I suspect Blumkamp's film is going to be ali- going to be titled Aliens, and then subtitle um, to give that direct link to Aliens. Um, that's just me, however. Um, oh, I agree. I think it should have that direct correlation because a lot of people are saying it's going to be like Alien 3.2 or Aliens 2 or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but, maybe. But yeah. Prometheus is essentially Ridley Scott's beast. And yeah. uh, Bloomcamp has his own beast, so to speak. And he has to make it his own. Yeah, uh... And you, you know, you brought up the news of uh, three more Prometheus um, films, or in that saga, or whatever. I, it really depends on it depends on uh, where the sequel goes, because as much love as I have for many portions or many parts of Prometheus, um, the parts that frustrate me enough frustrate me enough that I'm not as interested in a Prometheus sequel. Like what I'm excited for right now is Bloomkamp's Alien film, right? Um, and uh, so we'll see. Um, I mean, I am excited in general because it, it's we're exploring the alien lore, and I know in an interview, I don't think it's the one that we're going to discuss, the one with Empire or whatever one we're going to discuss in a minute. Um, Ridley Scott talks about how they kind of have to um, show us something that we haven't seen before. Um, he's got to he's got to up his game, and how you up your game from the alien creature will be you know uh, I don't think Neville Page is going to be able to do it. Maybe Carlos Fuente can do it, who is the creature designer for uh, Prometheus. Um, but to really make to design a creature that can scare us the way that the alien scared us, um, which doesn't scare us or or make it scary again, that's a that's a tough. It's a it's it's a tough task. Also, um, these are creature features, and I, Prometheus wasn't much of a creature feature. I mean, we had seen the engineer more than we'd seen anything else, and then of course, um, what's his name starts morphing into some strange thing. But he's oh, Byfield. Byfield. Yeah. Um, but and you know we had the you know that big huge squid thing. You know, um, so there were certain and and then we had the snake. The snake-like creature. Yeah, the, 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 the trilobite, trilobite was the big squid thing. Trilobite was the big squid thing. I can't remember the name of the other one. Um, still I don't from my nap. But <laughs> at any rate, uh, there were some signs of creatures, but it wasn't an all-out creature feature um, the way that Alien was. And I think that was maybe Ridley Scott saying, I've done that before. I don't want to do that again. So I'm going to show you flashes of it. But that's not what this is about. This is about engineers, which I totally respect, and I think it worked really well on that level. The engineers were scary, and they were the best designed kind of alien or human human hybrid thing that I've seen ever. I think um, 
Ridley is essentially going to have to reinvent the alien in general to bring it back to its uh, pantheon of greatness, so to speak. Um, it's going to really have to be his magnum opus. I think going forward in the series, if Ridley wants to see success with creature design, he really has to create a magnum opus. He's got to do something that's not only going to be everything in terms of greatness that the original Big Chap was, but it's got to surpass that in so many aspects. Mm-hmm. And in a world of just like, you know, totally CGI about films. In a world. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, just like there's so many films that are just green screens nowadays. And I know he's kind of shying away from that because The Martian was filmed on a huge soundstage in uh, Asia, I'm pretty sure. Um, but uh, he he's really got to get away from the CGI and I think uh, more practical effects and actual costumes, kind of like what they're doing on The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of potential for success there. Now, I mean, obviously there's limits with that. There's been limits since the 60s, 70s, 80s when all the great films came out. But, I mean, the technology has just come so far now. We can do so much more with practical effects than we could back in the day. Yeah. Um, so it's got to be his magnum opus, and he's got to surpass what the original Alien was. And I'd say return to practical effects and use as little CGI as you can. Yeah, and, you know, he did that uh, said it a lot with Prometheus. Prometheus was highly practical. Um, there obviously was CG in there, um, CG augmentation. Um, even that huge trilobite was constructed, but they used CG to augment it. And there were certainly scenes where it was completely augmented. Um, so I have no, no, I have no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not worried about him in terms of his aesthetic. He gets, he, he almost wrote the book for science fiction aesthetic. Um, my issue, my concern is that he will drop the ball with uh, the narrative and that the narrative will be frustrating and nonsensical, uh, like portions of the narrative was with Prometheus. And again, I know people listening, we're, we can be a broken record, but it, it, it's something that's, it's, it's there. It's part of the mythos now. We, we're going to discuss it. It's we're going to keep talking about story. it. Um, yeah, you know, it, and my my hope is with uh, Paradise Lost um, that Shaw is really well written and that Numi Rapace can kind of re-engage uh, the way she is going to act that character. Um, I really didn't like Shaw. Shaw was really one-dimensional. She was really just... She was the anti-Ripley, and I don't mean that. I, I think she she ended up being a stereotypical fe- woman, the way straight men white, write women. Uh, and I, uh, I, I didn't, and and that's how Shaw performed her. And you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, uh, Numi Rapace, the woman who acted Elizabeth Salander from The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So... Uh, she has incredible potential. She's an incredible actress, and I, I want her to take Shaw somewhere else. I don't want her to be weepy. I don't want her to be a Miss Goody Two-Shoes. I want her to really push her and make her believable because I didn't believe Shaw. I didn't believe that character. I believed Vickers. I believed David. Um, Even Yannick the, is believable. Yeah. Idris yeah. Elba's character. Like, yeah. damn. <laughs> So uh, that's my hope, and I mean, I, again, my mind right now. Ever since I saw, ever since I read that title, Paradise Lost, Alien, Paradise Lost, I just was thinking, what world is, is Ridley Scott going to bring us into? What is he going to? What is he going to build? I mean, think about it right now. If they're going to be shooting in, in in February, they're already far into production design. They probably won't start building sets for another month or two um, because sets will probably take a while. But it's there on paper somewhere in some office in the UK. In England, I would imagine, and that's an exciting thing. It's, it's and it's you're there. Not just, it, it and you're not just talking about an alien, you know, alien paradise lost. Bloom Camp in some other office, wherever he is, probably somewhere out here in Los Angeles, is also has all his designs, and it's so exciting. It's just such a great time to be a, a, a lover of films um, and to be uh, into like sci-fi. You know, there's a lot of great sci-fi coming out right now too. Um, so I, I, I'm hopeful. I'm more hopeful than I am. I mean, I'm cautious too, but one thing that we haven't discussed, uh, this time around, um, 
do you think that Scott um, kind of, even though he probably isn't mentioning it um, in his interviews, he's kind of, he's taken the criticism of Prometheus to heart? Um, I, I think any good artist should be able to react to criticism in such a way and let their later work reflect it. Yeah. Um, I mean, all these, I'm reading all these pre-release reviews of, uh, the Martian. Um, it's getting like screenings across the globe and, and all that. And it's getting phenomenal reviews. I'm definitely going to go see it. Oh, me too. Um, I'm reading the book again, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he wouldn't. He wouldn't just go and say, "Oh, I'm going to make Alien Paradise Lost," instead of calling it Prometheus Two, subtitle, subtitle, whatever. Because um, I think that kind of shows the disappointment that fans felt towards Prometheus. So they're almost they're distancing themselves from Prometheus in a way. I feel like that's kind of what he wants to do because. Um, Prometheus, I, I, this was like way before like I got as into the alien lore as I am now. But I remember I wanted to go see Prometheus uh, opening night because a bunch of my friends were going, and they're just like, "Oh, you know, it's just some sci-fi film, whatever." Um, it wasn't until later <laughs> that I realized, uh, you know, it was like um, it was tied in with the Alien series, and like. Whenever anybody explains it, it's always like, oh, yeah, it's just that loose prequel to Alien. But yeah. in so many ways, it's really not. It isn't at all. It's, it's not at all It's a like prequel. its own story. Like, it just yeah. does its own thing. And some things just happen to line up with the Alien lore. I mean, even the premise of Prometheus is essentially, uh, I mean, it's, there's a few differences, but a uh, group of people sat down on planet, a group of people go into thing and explore. Just like an alien, group of people sat down on planet, a few people go and explore, and they bring back something with them. Um, uh, it, the premise is almost identical in, in, a, basic, in a basic form. Um, Prometheus, of course, goes off in a different direction, and obviously with Prometheus, they were intentionally going to this this planet. Um, um, but, I mean, I, I think, to be honest, as we discussed this, the wise choice, I think, for them is to distance themselves from Prometheus. Not because Prometheus is wholly bad, it isn't. Prometheus has more good going for it than bad, but the bad just sticks out so so terribly. Right. Um, but I feel like there is more, and I think Fox and probably Ridley Scott realize there is a lot of excitement around an al- the Alien series. And people, we want to fall in love with it again. We want to love it with, with, with passion. You know, um, just even though we're not, even it's like the way we're talking about a Blade Runner film. We want to love it. We want to love the hell out of a Blade Runner sequel or a Blade Runner follow-up film. But it's um, got to be done right. It's got to be done right. Yeah. Uh, and Alien, the Alien saga has, has uh, unfortunately, since Alien 3, even though I love Alien 3, um, Alien 3, Alien Resurrection, and Prometheus, the last three films out of five, have not been good. Um or, you know, and given, you know, it's really, and it's it's a tightrope. It's a tightrope to be able to um, tell a really, really great, unique story, um, set it up well, present it well. That's not all CG. Um, and capture the audience and scare the audience. That's tough. It's really tough. See, I think the um, one of the problems that Ridley's facing now is kind of like the Terminator effect. Mm-hmm. Like you got the two, two first, two films that are amazing. And the second that's, Arguably better than the first in many aspects. Oh, yeah. And then everything after that is just shit except for, like, one thing. So, in this case, you know, the Terminator Salvation of the Alien series would probably be, you know, like Prometheus. It's great in so many ways, but the bad just really sticks out. Yeah. And and it's I think that's the problem with, like, um, modern reboots and revivals of, like, old films. It's just, like, they just don't hold up. They're not as good. Um, and like you were saying, like narrative is such an important thing. Like you, you said, uh, Damon Lindelof was one of the scapegoats for, uh, Prometheus's script. Yeah. And he came in and did rewrites, I believe. Right. Yeah. Based off John Spate, John Spate, who was Spates, who was the original screenwriter wrote, um, Prometheus as a direct alien 
prequel. They wanted to get away from that, so then they brought in Damon Lindelof, who was who is a seasoned, you know, Hollywood screenwriter. Oh, yeah, Lost and Lost and stuff. yeah, all that stuff. Um, and of course, there was so much excitement and all the viral videos and everything looked great. And but even Lindelof during the uh, promotion was like, "Well, is it an Alien prequel or isn't it?" Um, and he was very coy and. Um, I, I think Damon Lindelof is a really smart guy. Um, now, I happen to not like what he does. Um, I, I feel like he writes, he writes scripts because in the way... I, I feel like he, as a screenwriter, he thinks people are stupid. So he writes scripts for stupid people. Um, that's my impression of him. Um, but, um, and Prometheus was that uh, in, in many ways, in some ways, uh, an example of that. Um, but I don't think... Lindelof is stupid, but the way they promoted the film in terms of them talking about it was like, well, we don't know if it's an alien prequel. Is it? Isn't it? Of course it is. Of course it's a, it's a direct alien prequel. Um, now, it doesn't lead into Alien, but it's, it certainly sets it up, you know? Yeah, I think one of, the, <clears throat> one of the problems with the hype for Prometheus is that it was billed as something that would be a direct prequel or something that would be like very close to direct, like within a few years timeline. Mm-hmm. But what we got was something that takes place like what, 30, 35 years before alien even takes place. I believe that's correct. Yes. Cause alien takes place in 2122 and Prometheus takes place in 2093, 2089, something like yeah. that. Yeah. So I'm pretty bad at math, but that's like around 30 years or so. Uh, let's just figure it out. Uh, that is 33 years before the original Alien film. So that's that's a long time, and I think that might be intentional, and that might explain why there's going to be three more films. Yes, yes. <clears throat> what I don't want to see, however, is the Star Wars prequel approach to it. Like, oh, well, you know, it's a necessary story, but <clears throat> let's just push it out anyway. Yes. Yes. Oh, boy. Because <laughs> it yeah. has just so much room to be great, but it just has... And, you know, I, I'll say this. Uh, I'm going to give Ridley Scott and 20th Century Fox and Neil Bloomkamp, but let's focus on Ridley, because really that's what this uh, episode is about. I'm going to give him a lot of credit, and this is what I think is happening. They know. I think Star Wars right now, J.J. Abrams' The Force Awakens, is setting a precedent. It's changing how how movies are being made, not just in terms of practical effects, but in terms of um, delivering solid, well-written, entertaining, great epic sci-fi. And I think Ridley Scott, much like he did with Alien, um, is taking going to take a page right out of Star Wars and say, you know what? We got to do a really good science fiction film. And I think Paradise Lost is the answer to that. Um, I really, really think that they know that they really have to get this right. Um, and Fox has a history of, of, uh, of doing a lot of damage to their movies, to be quite honest. Um, you know, they have a history of great films too, but as, 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 uh, in terms of the alien series, and we've discussed this before as well, um, they haven't really, they don't have a great track record. They get involved too much and they put too many fingers in the, in the pie and they, um, and the, you, you end up getting a film that's a little bit watered down or a lot of it watered down i think uh prometheus was as good as it was because ridley scott is so well respected and he had the he took the reins in many ways and they kind of gave him what he wanted um but uh i i just think that uh, star wars is uh kind of ensuring um that we're going to get another good film i think we will i really think paradise lost is going to be a great film well and this could be a good segue into the interview that we want to talk about but I believe it was in that exact same interview um, where Ridley Scott said the reason he decided to do Star Wars, in spite of being the fifth man alien. in line to do or decided to do uh, Alien, excuse me, I'm scatterbrained, <laughs> um, he said the only reason he decided to do it was because he saw Star Wars. Yes. He saw the potential, he saw the new precedent being set by George Lucas and I quote the article, he said, I didn't know George, but I said to myself, fuck George. 
you know, like that kind of thing. Cause it's like, well, why didn't I think of that? You know? Yeah. yeah. But, and his answer, I mean, his answer to star Wars, um, blew everyone away. I mean, again, it, it set the bar for this is how you do a creature film. You know, most of the time with creature films, I mean, I, th- a science fiction film that had come, you know, close encounters of the third kind, amazing film. One of, uh, Spielberg's, masterpieces of a film a film he wouldn't even make today um in many ways um a film that didn't have this great happy ending uh, you know that was really the the and 2001 those were really the two films um of course there was other sci-fi that was like oh, okay that was interesting but nothing really good until star wars came out um but that Scott's- kind of put uh that kind of put the genre on the map as far yeah. as mainstream audiences i mean like you talk about Star Wars, everybody knows what it is. Like, you know, even people that don't speak English, like, oh, Star Wars, yeah. Like, it's just like a worldwide cultural phenomenon. And I think yeah. Alien has the potential to be that. Yes. With, Certainly. Uh, with Paradise presence. Lost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, segueing into the interview, I mean, if I uh, recommend everyone, if they can, go over and take a read. It's on Deadline. Um, it's the longest interview I've ever seen uh, Ridley Scott give, and it took me a long time to digest it. Um, but they really just go over kind of his history. And, uh, of, of course, they're talking about The Martian, which is a film that, you know, again, we all should be paying attention to. Um, it's getting great reviews, like Peter said. Um, I can't wait to see it. I'm really, really excited about it. Um, I, I really hope they get... I'm going to see it for dialogue, and I'm going to see it for the science of it to make to see if it really makes sense. And you know, if the the reviews are right, which I'm sure they are, it's going to be a great film. I think that comes out next week. Um, yeah, it comes out on the second, so that is next Friday, I believe. Absolutely. Yeah, next yeah I'm going. Um, so, I, I mean, we should be really paying a close attention to to the Martian. Um, also, we discussed this before. A lot of what I've seen of the Martian looks like Prometheus, but uh, from the suits to the way it was shot, um, it's gorgeous. But there, you could, there's one still where um, Matt Damon's character is sitting or sitting down in his suit, kind of outside of a, on, like he's leaning up against some type of machine on Mars, and it looks to me, you could say this is a still from Prometheus, and and to the layperson, they wouldn't know the difference. Um, but it's beautiful. It's, it, it looks really, really good. Um, and with um, also too, uh, uh, we, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of stop myself for a second. What I also think really set the bar for science fiction is Interstellar. Um, oh yeah, I, I think that uh, you know Ridley Scott is no dummy. He, the man's a genius. His mind's going a million miles an hour. He's probably he thinks about a lot. I mean, he's 78 years old. He's getting up there. You know, he's probably got a good 10 years or less left of making films, maybe. Um, but you look at the picture like they just showed him on video. He doesn't look like he's 78. The man looks like he's probably 58. He yeah, seriously. He takes care of himself. It must, oh, yeah. be all, uh, must be all that thinking he's doing. Yeah. He's got yeah, this yeah, shit on, on, yeah. on lock. <laughs> I think his mind just keeps him young, you know, physically as well. Um, but I think Interstellar really set the bar for good science fiction. Um, Interstellar is a film that has, I just watched it again. Um, I hadn't seen it since the theaters. I saw it three times in the theaters and I've just watched it again. And it took me, that took me like, it picked me up and threw me down just like I did in the theater. Like I'd seen, like I was watching it for the first time. I can't even describe in words what Interstellar does to me uh, on an emotional level, on a science fiction level. Um, and that's the kind of thing that I love about really hard sci-fi and alien aliens and in many ways alien three and prometheus is a lot it's hard sci-fi um that deals with some very very big ideas um of course alien the alien series goes more towards the the creature it's more of a creature film um but there's also other things going on there as well as we discussed before yeah because in many ways alien is a creature film but unlike a lot of the b movies of that time or earlier decades it gives a backstory to a lot of the people in it. There's a reason for things. It's not just like, okay, well, it's here and you have to suspend your disbeliefs. Thanks. Like other B-movies like to do. And I'm not trying to imply that Alien was a B-movie. But um, for all intents and purposes, it was never 
uh, meant to be a success. Nobody intended it for, to be one. And it just kind of took the sci-fi world by surprise. I mean, he basically gave birth to uh, deep space horror, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a B, it's a B movie idea or a man in suit running around terrorizing people. Um, you don't think, you know, and then, then you've had kind of spinoffs of that. Not so much in the alien series, but like species. Did you ever see the first species? <clears throat> I've seen bits and pieces of it on TV, but I know that, uh, HR Giger's design is in it. He designed yeah, the creature. He did. So the first species was very, very interesting. Um, I, it, it, unfortunately, it just devolves into a B film, um, but it's really well done and it's very entertaining. Um, but it's no Alien. But they took that idea that Alien kind of uh, spawned, excuse the pun, uh, <laughs> and uh, went a whole different direction of it with it. Um, and it was really, really fascinating. And I mean, the sequels are just garbage, absolutely direct to garbage. video, aren't they? Yeah, I mean the sequel. <laughs> The last sequel was essentially softcore porn, um, but uh, uh, Alien really set the bar um, for what, like, hey, you can do a film like this and you can make it interesting. Um, I haven't seen any other film like it. I don't know even Predator, the Predator films, which are pretty interesting films for sure. Uh, they're still no Alien, not even. I mean, of course, then you have the garbage of uh, AVP and AVP Two, um, which again I think are, are essentially garbage. Um, there, I don't even think there's any interesting ideas going on in those movies. They're just cash grabs. See, the um, problem with them is that you're taking two phenomenal franchises on their own, and you're just totally like manhandling everything that made the original inspiration for them great. Like the comic books and the original video games. Oh my god, they're some of the best things that Dark Horse and... Uh, for comics put out and then a rebel and monolith studios put out for video games. Like they're just phenomenal. And then you see the films and it's just like, really? Like you're almost like ashamed to call yourself a fan of like either franchise because of mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I feel like with the way science fiction films are going these days, like there's, there's so much room for things like alien versus predator. But on the flip side of that same coin, you have, so much room for things that are just as great as, say, Alien or Blade Runner, Interstellar, Star Wars, that sort of thing. Like, movies aren't even made the same way that they used to be. There's just so much room for improvement now. But there's yeah. so much room to fail at the same time. So it's a double-edged yes. sword. It is. And I think, again, to hit on an earlier point, there's something happening with, the, with movies, much like it's happening with television, where... Audiences are becoming fickle. Audiences are tired of seeing shit. They're tired of seeing bad films. And so I really think that um, uh, movie studios are taking their time. They're developing things more. They, they want, you know, um, they know that audiences want good things. They just, you know, I mean, uh, uh, kind of case in point is the Transformers films. They just, they just tanked because they, it's not a good enough story to make a film. The first one was interesting and made a lot of money, you know, um, but then they just went straight downhill. Um, I really think that we're in a time where um, studios um, on all levels are like, we need to make really good films. Not that they don't want to make good films in general, because obviously they do, but uh, I think audiences are, are less inclined to spend money. Um, they're, they're concerned that, you know, they're, they're concerned, you know, they have their memories of maybe like, for instance, with Star Wars the first three films, why they were so impactful to them, what about them was so impactful, and why they hoped the next one would be impactful. And, of course, Disney and Lucasfilm and J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy took all that into account. Like, okay, this is why we love the first Star Wars. Um, these are what This is what the fans are saying. We understand that they were um, uh, disappointed with the prequel trilogy. How can we do better? What can we do better? Let's bring back Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote Empire Strikes Back. That's a good step. Let's do that. So I think, I, I really believe Fox is doing that as well um, with the Alien series. This is a really serious deal for them. They've gotten it wrong most more than they've gotten it right. Um, so now they're taking their two, their two more gambles. Prometheus sequel and another Alien film starring Ripley. 
Um, they have to get it right. They have to get it right. Um, and actually, I'll also say, too, and maybe I'd love to know your opinion. Um, I think we're not hearing so much from Bloomcamp because Prometheus 2 is taking the stage first. Or Paradise Lost, I have to call it that now, is taking, um, it's taking center stage. And um, Bloomcamp's Alien will come afterwards. That's what I'm thinking. Um, although I would imagine Bloomcamp's Alien will be filming next year at some point as well for a 2017 release. Who knows? Um, Honestly, that that does sound like a logical thing. Yeah. Like, uh, to kind of deflect some of the attention away from uh, Bloomcamp's film to kind of limelight Paradise Lost right now. Yep. Um, I think that kind of gives Bloomcamp a little more breathing room, like less pressure on him. Like, oh well, uh oh, can't mess this one up. You know what I'm saying? Like he's he probably uh, sighed a large breath of relief when uh, Ridley came out and said, "Oh yeah, it's called uh, Alien Paradise Lost." <laughs> so uh, yeah, I I mean I personally think um, it gives Bloomcamp more time to work on his formula and how he can make uh, his film great, but uh, it also gets more interest in the series in general as well mm-hmm. as uh, tying Prometheus and Alien together, which I think is the goal. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree, and I think it will generate more interest. Um, I remember, I won't forget, I think I've just said this before, but when I was in the theater watching Prometheus for the second time, I'd seen it three times total. I think the last time I saw it was in 3D. But at one, at one of the times I was watching it, there was some guy there, and this is right at the end when um, the deacon was born, and he's like... That looks like the alien. He's like, oh shit, is that the <laughs> alien? And he, he doesn't really know. He can't really tell. Um, because I think he's a little bit more casual. You know, he, he knows of the alien series. Um, but a lot of people who, who knew, knew of the alien series aren't going to say, hey, that's the same ship. You know, you don't even see that derelict ship until the very end or the derelict class ship until the very end. So the ties were loose for most of the theater going audiences. They didn't know. But I, I think it would get more people in the theater if they go, oh, my God, an alien film. This is an alien film. And this is a, an offshoot of an alien film. Um, so it's it's really smart marketing. I can't wait to see the poster. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think with a title like that, it implies that it's going to have a more direct um, parallelism with the alien films as opposed to just, uh, oh, well, this is Prometheus because blah, blah, blah. Instead of just like, oh, you know, it's related to Alien. So, I'm I'm really hoping that with the Prometheus sequel being titled as an Alien film, that we're going to get a more direct story connection, a more direct arc, so to speak, um, between the prequel and original. Yes, yes. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how they tie that together. Um and maybe who knows? Maybe they're just tying it together in name only, saying, "Hey, we want to. We're, we're, we're going to be honest with you guys. This is in the aliens. This is in the alien universe, and we're just going to tell you that now. Maybe that's the only tie, the only kind of connection they're going to make until the end of the Prometheus films. Um, who knows? Um, but I, I think I think it's a really really good step, and uh, uh, Ridley Scott seems to be on fire. Yep. Um, before we get too in-depth on the speculation, did you want to uh, talk about the interview before we finish up? Um, yeah, I mean, I was just uh, going over it right now. Let me bring that right up. Okay. Um, I, I, it's an interesting interview. You know, they talked to, uh, uh, Scott about Alien 3, um, and, uh, what Scott thought about the film. Um, and uh, just, it's really just a chronology of his, some of his films and uh, science fiction and what's really inspired him. And um, I, I, I was, I thought maybe we could go over a little bit more in depth, but we don't really need to. I'm just, I'm just pointing people back to it. And I just think again, this uh, Ridley Scott is the father of the alien saga. I mean, it's really, he's responsible for it. Um, in many ways, I think James, James Cameron furthered a lot, furthered that, that, that brand he really took 
he took what Ridley Scott did and he he even made, he almost made it better if that's possible, but in a very different way. Um, so I just recommend that people go and read read this article and um, I, I I think. I, as much faith as I have in Ridley Scott, and I'm, of course this is all speculation, I don't know if uh, Paradise Lost will be better than Prometheus. I'm hoping it will. I'm hoping that they took the criticism of for Prometheus to heart, which I do think they did, because when Prometheus premiered, um, people started giving sh- uh, Damon Lindelof shit on Twitter. Um, so much so that eventually Damon Lindelof quit Twitter. Um I guess you could call yeah. him a quitter. <laughs> a quitter. <laughs> uh, good one. Um, and But I really think Fox was paying attention. Um, and Damon Lindelof said, you know, uh, I got it. He, I respect the man because he says, I really had to answer for it. Um, it fell on my shoulders. I mean, some of it he kind of pushed towards Ridley Scott as well. He, he signed off on this stuff. Um, but uh, but uh, Lindelof took it on the chin. And... Uh, I think Fox was was paying attention to that, saying, "Hey, we need to get this right. Um, people aren't stupid. This isn't the 1950s. Um, this isn't like oh, uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon, which is a great movie. But anyways, oh, or them with big, large ants in the desert. You know, this is this audiences are savvy. Um, people are savvy. They they're not they're not sitting down. They just aren't going to sp- be spoon fed with everything. Tickets in some places cost fourteen fifteen dollars, and Hardworking blue collar people can't just drop that kind of money all the time. So and I think, sit- um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. For sure. I think I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we've just seen everything at this point. Yes. And <laughs> as much as that stinks to say, like I I feel like it's really true. Like you know, some some new films like with actually really good decent concepts and interesting narratives and just totally new viewpoints and and all that they just don't fare well critically or commercially Mm -hmm. but at the same time you know people go and see the same films over and over and over and over and over again like uh i i can't even think of it right now but just like think of something that like there's like so many of them and they're awful (laughs) Oh, uh, Transformers. I mean, there was four Transformer films, and they're awful. Um, and eventually, audiences caught on. I think. I think. Um, there. I think CGI. Um, and I'm a fan of special effects. That's why I fell in love with movies. That's why I became a filmmaker myself. Um, I mean, I'm working on a documentary about the Dark Crystal, which is really the most incredible and unique practical effect film ever made, with all practical effects and puppetry, no humans. But anyways. Um, I, I'm a fan of all kinds of effects. I, I enjoy computer effects like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Gollum is flawless, flawless beauty. I've never connected so much to a um, a digital creation before. So whatever can get the job done and do it well, I'm all for it. Um, but like you said, everyone's seen everything. Um, and CGI can do anything. And I think people, it's losing, it's, it's losing that edge. But people have seen everything. Everything is big and grand and smooth moving and digital. And um, so it's all been done. So then now that it's all been done, why you, how do you bring people back into the theater if they've seen it before? You know, um, and I think uh, I think about the Hobbit films. I don't, did you see all those? I'm not a I'm not really a fan of uh, Tolkien, to be honest. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I am. I'm a huge fan. Uh, Lord of the Rings films, the first trilogy, changed my life. Oh, those are great films. I'm just, yeah. I'm just not a huge fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the Hobbit films, the first one was like, oh, okay, it's interesting. Uh, it has some problems. And then the second one was like, oh, my God, this is awful. And by the third one, I was like, it was like a parody. The third <laughs> Hobbit film was like a parody film of Lord. It was awful. Awful, awful, awful. It was badly written. It, every shot was so much computer. And I was... Uh, uh, what's his name? Peter Jackson jumped the shark. I mean, he turned into George Lucas, prequel era George Lucas, um, where CGI just did everything for him. Instead of dressing people in men in suits, he just let CGI create everything for him. And CGI takes a lot of work. It's not a lazy man's. It's not a lazy man's tool. You're essentially making an entirely different film. Yeah, it is. And yeah. they stretched 
the Hobbit book, which is a very short book, into three movies, and he tried to make it these epic Lord of the Rings films, and it didn't work, and he concocted all this shit, and it didn't work. Anyways, um, my point is, is there's such a reliance now. There, we got, we've gotten to this point where there's such a, been, there's such a reliance on CG um, with certain directors with the bigger films that it's it becomes. It just becomes, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, okay, yeah, look, it's a dinosaur. I mean, why Jurassic World was so good is because the script was so good. Because it felt magical. It felt wonderful. It wasn't like, whoa. Jurassic World wasn't great because of the dinosaurs. Jurassic World was great because of the writing um, and because of the sense of wonder. Um, And there's a shit ton of CG in Jurassic World. But that's not why I liked it. I liked it because I felt like I was a part of it. I felt like it really felt... I felt a sense of wonder. I felt like I did in 90, 93, I think, is when it came out, the first one. I felt very similar. I mean, I had a smile on my face the whole time. It was great. Yeah, um, it's, it's really a proper service to the fans. And absolutely. I tip my hat to Colin Trevorrow for that one. Absolutely. Who's directing Star Wars Episode Nine? Um, by the way? Um, but again, the question, and to kind of bring this back to you know science fiction and Prometheus and uh, Alien... How do you get people back in, th- in in the seats? Because we have seen everything. You make good stories. You write good characters. You make sure those characters do smart things. You make sure those characters are real. You make sure those characters talk in a realistic way. Um, people aren't going to sit around for stupidity. Um, and filmmakers, and again, I said this before, uh, filmmakers and studios, um, they have to up their game. They can't. Uh, assume that audiences are stupid because they're not. We live in a very tech-savvy information age where you can find out anything in seconds. So if, how are you going to bring pay- people back in the theater? You're going to say you've never seen a story like this. Interstellar, again, which got some, some criticism. People either loved it or they didn't. Um, but it was I'd never seen a film like that before. They took something similar and they went in a completely different direction with it. And it was pretty awesome. So I hope Scott and Fox and Bloomkamp take a page out of, you know, uh, Lucasfilm and Christopher Nolan, you know. Yeah, and, and uh, before we go into the interview specifically, I, I really think um, to move forward, you really have to go back to where you came from, Yeah. Uh, especially when it comes to art. And I'm not saying uh, repeat it, um, but definitely nod to it. You have to respect mm-hmm. source material and you have to you have to do a favor to the fans when you make something like that. To go forward with something like Alien, you have to go backwards. Yeah. And you got to understand and you, uh, and you have to listen to the fans. Of course not all the time, not 100% of the time, not even probably 50% of the time, but you have to listen to what people are saying, saying, "Hey man, this this was great, but I really had a hard time with this." And you have, you know, Millions of people saying the same thing. You got to take a, because they're gonna they're gonna fund your next film, um, in the same series or not. So you have to listen to what they're gonna say. You know, we are, you know, we're we're in an age now where you have podcasts like what we do. We're we're a voice for the fans. We're a voice for hey, this is great. Hey, this isn't so great. Hey, you could do better in this in this in this instance or this instance over here was a masterpiece. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like fans have unionized, you know, like, hey, let's come together and Wayland yutani Bulletin and Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. Like, let's get together and give, a, give, us, give ourselves a voice. And uh, studios are taking note of that. So bravo to us. Yeah. <laughs> a proverbial pat on the back. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the interview. Um, uh, we're we're about eight minutes away from our our hour show. Um, so, is there anything that sticks out with you? Did you were you able to get through all of it? Uh, yes, I read through it a few times, um, and I definitely took my time with it. Um, and I thought it was interesting, just how humble this guy is. I mean, like, goddamn, he's responsible for some of the best films ever made, yeah. and he's sitting here talking about how like he's built his own houses before but he doesn't understand science and this and that (laughs) um he makes nice nods to uh uh castaway and gravity and i am legend and i didn't i didn't know that he was um he was contending to direct i am legend originally yes i heard that as well uh, i read that 
Deadline was saying how uh, you are a, you are masterful at creating worlds around these good scripts. Good scripts. That's what stands out to me because yes. uh, Prometheus was sorely lacking one of those. Uh, yes. yes, it was. And uh, another thing, Deadline said, you still build a lot of sets, rather rely on green screen. That is so common in these kind of films. And he said, if I can afford it, I like to have as much set as I possibly can because my actors need it. <clears throat> and he was talking about how on Black Hawk Down, the practical effects, like they, they uh, made an RPG and Ewan McGregor's character looked like he died on set. But uh, he was really okay. But, uh, yeah, this this guy, he, he knows his stuff. He does. I, he does. I have I mean, confidence. He's a master of his craft. I mean, he, he's not just a master of his craft. Uh, and I, But let's get back to what you said, good scripts. It was a good script. You know, I mean, even when Alien first was presented, uh, you know, when it was originally written, of course it was rewritten, um, you know, you see David Geiler, or no, I think it's Walter Hill, and many uh, behind-the-scenes documentaries about the alien series talk about how terrible the script was when they first saw it but the idea was great so they rewrote it um and of course they rewrote they rewrote it into a masterpiece and uh you have to start off with a good script and uh i i think it's it's very very difficult to write a good script these days it really really is and there's so much i mean the hollywood machine i mean the way the way people hear about how films are made and the bureaucracy that's involved it's it's a miracle when you see a film that's good that's come from a big Hollywood studio. And oftentimes these days what's happening is uh, Hollywood studios are purchasing independent films and then they're releasing them. Yeah, um, like um, like Ex Machina. That's that's an independent film. I think it was made on a budget of $4 million, which yeah, isn't much for a movie these days. That's what uh, Alien's original budget was before Ridley Scott doubled it. Yeah. Um, and then it's, it's distributed by a big studio. Yeah. And then this man, this crazy lunatic genius, Ridley Scott, goes from Alien to Blade Runner and makes makes an equally stunning masterpiece. Of course, it didn't really become that until later on. Um, but still, it, 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 you know, and it, 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 you know, the history books will say the art, the film history books will say these are the piece. You know, there's three huge films or four, maybe that changed the way films were made. 2001, Star Wars, Alien, Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, and then maybe in the 21st century, Interstellar and, you know, a few others. Uh, the Force Awakens, hopefully, when that comes out. Um, but it's, it's nuts. I mean, and yeah, his, just his attention to detail and his, his instincts are pretty incredible. And I don't know, have you seen Kingdom of Heaven? I have not, but I did read about it inside the uh, article. And it said, uh, that said, the best cuts of Kingdom of Heaven and Blade Runner are the ones you made and not the ones the studios released. And Scott says that's true. Um, and he said the toughest battle that he waged to see his vision end up on screen was in uh, Kingdom of Heaven. And the removal of a, of 17 minutes from the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh... Uh, Kingdom of Heaven is a masterpiece of a film. It's it's beautiful. The the, the soundtrack. Um, uh, Ridley Scott really has. Uh, I I think he's hit that mark more than he hasn't. Um, I think uh, he's been tripped up um, by maybe. And I think really what's happened is he's such a visualist, such a, a visual storyteller. Um, and you see this a lot. Where you know even Bloom Camp, you know Chappie. Um, or maybe not so much Chappie, but uh, Elysium, because I really enjoyed Chappie. Elysium was beautiful, but the story needed some work. And you have these storytellers who are artists first, who like to create visual images. But visual images, you, style as substance doesn't always work. For some directors, it does work, like Tarzan, who did The Cell, who did The Fall, who did um, that one film with uh, Henry Cavill, um, where he's, it takes place in like, uh, I don't know, like uh, the Hercules times. What's it called? The Immortals. Beautiful, beautiful. And it was lyrical. It was wonderful. But in science fiction, you can't have images tell a story. You need more than that. You need a good story behind it, especially with sci-fi like AI, which I think is a masterpiece of a film. Um, it was a rich, rich, rich script. 
and rich visuals that matched it. So it really, really worked. So it's just crazy. It's crazy how all that happens, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, he's he's uh, he's definitely got a lot on his plate right now, Ridley Scott. Um, he signed on for an adaptation of the Don Winslow novel, The Cartel, about the drug war in Mexico, which is interesting because um, Dennis Villanueva uh, has that new film, Sicario, coming out. Yes, which looks fantastic. I am definitely going to go see that. Looks fantastic, and it's getting great reviews. Uh, Emily Blunt, Benicio del Toro, like what? <laughs> I got some yeah. great people on board. It's yeah, going to be really good. Yeah, and I think it's important to uh, to um, pay attention to these films that these filmmakers who are like really Scott, like Dennis. I don't know how to pronounce pronounce his last name. Dennis V is. Uh, I think it's important to pay attention to what they're doing to see. Um, have you seen Prisoners? I have not. Oh, Prisoners is fantastic. It's dark shit. Dark, 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 rough. It's a rough film to watch. Um, not even so much because there's graphic things that happen. There isn't. Um, but it's just a rough film. I mean, it's in some, in some places, it's really, really terrifying. Um, but if you know, this is the man who's going to make, you know, direct the next Blade Runner film. So pay attention to what he's doing right now. See what kind of stories he's telling. See what kind of storyteller he is, um, and that'll kind of give you uh, an idea of what to expect. You know, absolutely. And uh, let me just check who's the cinematographer on that. I believe it's Roger Deakins, but I'm not sure. I think you're right. I think you're right. Because Roger Deakins is. The, yep, that's him. He's the uh, cinematographer. He's going to be the cinematographer for uh, Blade Runner Two. Should be yeah. good. I'm so I'm so so excited. Um, I I, I it, it's such a great time to be alive, and uh, of course we have to wait all this time. Um, <laughs> but whatever, I would rather wait a while and get a good, get really really good, uh, a really good story, and uh, and you know uh, get a film that I can be like, oh my god, I'm obsessed. I mean, I, I'm a Star Wars nerd. I mean, as much the, my favorite film of all time is Dark Crystal, but Star Wars really stayed with me throughout my childhood in a way that. Dark Crystal had a different kind of effect. Um, so, I mean, I primarily wear Star Wars t-shirts. I mean, I I'm, I just cannot geek out more than what's happening right now. And I just have a really good feeling that we're going to see probably one of the best Star Wars films we've ever seen. Um, so I, I, I hope that with Alien, I mean, I am I, in love with the Alien series as I am with Star Wars in a very, very different way. So I, I just, I really hope they do it right, you know? Yes, and I'm very, very hopeful for The Martian, and I hope that it's a sign of good things to come for science fiction, uh, not just in what Ridley Scott's doing, but also just in general. Um, I, I hope it's not just another science fiction whatever, you know, uh, fall drought blockbuster, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, I don't know. I mean, the novel's great. It's hilarious. It's it's sciency as hell, and it's really nerdy, and I like it. Um, it's got a great narrative, and uh, hopefully that translates well over to the screen. Yeah, and I'm, as I'm sure it will. I, I have great, I have great uh, expectations for that film, and I think it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And I also even think probably even The Martian took some pages from, uh, well, or I should say. Ridley Scott probably took some some advice based off of you know people's reaction towards Prometheus said hey I got to make this better you know and uh I mean he's he tells you know this you know he's a great science fiction storyteller and uh it looks like this is going to be a great entry into that so uh, we'll have to we'll have to talk about it once you and I have both seen it oh absolutely it'll be great <laughs> yeah i think that about wraps up our show for now oh yes so uh, we're going to be interviewing somebody else, uh, a writer who has worked with Dan o the, the late, great Dan O'Bannon, um, and that'll be our next episode. Um, and we'll eventually be interviewing uh, Adam Sonnet again, uh, who was going to be directing the now-defunct Alien Identity film. Um, but he's going to talk about kind of how that happened and uh, the behind-the-scenes on that. But he's also going to talk about his new film, Triborn. So we have a lot in store for you people. 
Hang on. Yes. Thank you for always supporting us. It Absolutely. means a lot. Um, and have a great one.